It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I think I don't I don't do drip or money or fashion. I do arts. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 660 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday. No, it's Wednesday, February 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We have tons of great stuff for you. If you're a fan of a team that plays sports, there's a very good chance we have a show covering that team daily with a local expert bringing you all the local perspective on what's going on with said team, whether it's hockey, baseball, basketball, all the sports that they sing about in that Lonely Island song. We have a show covering it. Most likely, not golf, so don't hold me to that exactly. Uh, All right, on today's show... The Toronto Raptors have won 15 games straight. They are playing the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday, and that usually gives us a pretty good excuse to talk to this guy because he's based in Brooklyn after uh, leaving Toronto and abandoning us all. It is James Herbert from CBSSports.com. James, how are you? I'm good. You should be thanking me. As soon as I left, the Raptors win a title and then become the most fun team in the league. It's crazy. (laughs) So, yeah, you're taking credit for this is what you're doing. I'm just saying that like you know, you know, correlation isn't causation, but like the two things happened at very similar times. Well, thank you very much, uh, and I'm glad to have you on the show to talk about your <laughs> new beloved Brooklyn Nets. Um, we'll talk about the Nets later on. Uh, Are they beloved? I, I feel like people don't feel strongly either way about this year's Brooklyn Nets. I hate the Brooklyn Nets no matter what. Uh, it's just kind of ingrained in me, probably due to Masai okay. and all that, but yeah, they don't seem to really engender much emotion for, for most people, I suppose. I just, I kind of have always hated the way they play. The whole, you know. Really? Yeah, I hate that they, and, and like this year they have some talent, so I guess it's a little bit different, but basically the way I've summed up the Nets the last few years is just like, we are actually bad at basketball, so we're going to shoot lots of threes, and hopefully we'll fall into a win or two once in a while. But mostly we suck. So that's kind of my summation of the Nets. <laughs> that's, yeah, I. that's probably an ungenerous way of putting it. Uh, but they, they do shoot a lot of threes. They always have under Kenny Atkinson. But, I mean, they also they shoot a lot of layups. They drive to the rim. They I think over the past, like, over the Kenny Atkinson era, they have, like, more drives than any team in the NBA. Uh, they just don't shoot the mid-rangers. Well, look at you coming in with facts and bullshit about the stupid Nets. We'll get, we'll talk more about the Nets later on. Uh, the most important news of the day, of course, and this comes from the Twitter account of Amara Baptist, uh, King Cake Baby is back. How are you yeah. taking this news? I was I tweeted yesterday, like, an hour before Amara tweeted that out, that I was really, I, I, I was curious when he's coming back. I tweeted at the Pelicans to see when he's coming back. So I'm going to take credit. Like, you're taking credit for the Raptors being good. I am taking credit for them busting the costume out for the King Cake Baby. Uh, what are your thoughts on our friend finally being back in our lives? 
Well, if you had anything to do with it, then I'm indebted to you because, <laughs> as everybody knows, King Cake Baby season is the best season of the year. Uh, I am going to All Star tomorrow. I'm hoping King Cake Baby will be there. Sometimes random mascots show up. I've never seen King Cake Baby at All Star, so that would be wonderful. Uh, and yeah, I mean the Pelicans. That that is a team people do have strong feelings about. And now that you're putting Zion and King Cake Baby uh, in the in the same arena, that's just too much power for I think anybody to even comprehend right now. Yeah, after Paul George's uh, cowardly comments last night about officials and the uh, suspect nature of the viability of the James Harden-Russell Westbrook pairing and all that stuff, I think it's safe to say that Zion and KCB is the best duo in the NBA. So, glad he's back. Excited to see him uh, terrify some folks and knock on doors giving season tickets and heart attacks to the people at the same time. Uh, Very glad our friend is back in our lives. Let's talk about the Raptors, though, James. The Raptors, as we mentioned, have won 15 games in a row. They're extremely good. They have the best offense in the league over the course of the last 15 games. They are .2 points back of the Boston Celtics for third overall in net rating after the Celtics lost to the Rockets last night. They got the two games in the loss column up on the Celtics for the two seed. And they're doing this all without Marcus All and Norman Powell and various other dudes who sit out with different maladies night to night. Uh, all that said, I'm still a little bit sort of skeptical and slow maybe to jump on like the, the Raptors can actually win the title bandwagon. I find the Bucks to be terrifying as much as I like to make fun of Eric Bledsoe and his playoff exploits. Giannis is a monster. Chris Middleton's been very, very good. And that team is excellent. And I, I just... Something in my brain doesn't want to quite buy in, although I've listened to some podcasts this week, like our friend Michael Pina and Ben Golliver on the Open Floor Show this week, talking about how they think the Raptors are very much a threat to the Bucks, and I think that's kind of a, a sentiment that has been growing a little bit of fervor over, over the last week or so, as the Raptors have continued this streak and picked up some nice wins over actually good teams in the form of the Pacers, uh, and I guess nobody else. <laughs> and so my question to you, James, is... How real are the Raptors? Like, are you ready to put them into that sort of top contender tier with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks, which has seemed to have been sort of the three teams that people assume are going to win it at some point down the line? Or are the Raptors still a tier below? And do you think there's even a chance they can get into that top tier? What are your thoughts, sir? I think save for this winning streak just kind of extending indefinitely and the Raptors like blowing out the Bucks uh, after the All-Star break, um, most people are going to have them in, in the second tier. Like, that's probably going to be the, the conventional wisdom. But, I mean, they fit the statistical profile right now of a top-tier team. Uh, the same is true of, like, of like the Celtics, right? But I think now that their offense is playing at this level, um, I, I don't know quite what the argument against them being in the top tier in, in the regular season at least is. The conversation uh, is the way it is right now because we just don't know exactly how things are going to translate in the playoffs like they they don't have that Kawhi Leonard uh can close out a game can take over a game can just sort of sustain you when it looks like you're about to fall apart or the other team is like sort of like starting a run but hasn't completely dominated the game like those are the points where Kawhi Leonard often just kind of came to the rescue in last year's playoffs and just the margin was so slim uh, obviously, in the Philadelphia series, the Milwaukee series, but even some of those Warriors 
games were pretty close and they kind of needed every little edge they could get. And that's one big edge of just like having the best player on the floor um, pretty much all the time and arguably all the time if you think Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the league, um, that, that they're just not going to have this time. So I'm not sure exactly how to project um, how they're going to do in that situation now, but I, I guess um, if you want to be optimistic about it in Toronto, I would suggest that I don't know if we can totally buy like the Bucks being the best team on the planet in, in the regular season translating the same way in the playoffs either. I mean, just as we've seen the Raptors, like this winning streak being built in the back of like like beating obviously worse teams, like the Bucks just kill bad teams. Like that that has been what they've done all season. And the question with them going in was not like, is Milwaukee going to be a good regular season team? We all knew it would. The question is whether or not uh, the the front office had actually solved the roster issues that it had last year that kind of didn't rear their heads until the playoffs and whether or not the coaching staff was going to make the proper adjustments because we saw the Bucks kind of just do the same thing over and over again uh, in that conference finals and end up losing. Until we're back there, it's hard to know. I, I would say in a potential matchup with the Bucks, the Raptors still have a lot of the same strengths they did last year. Like, no, they can't throw Kawhi Leonard on Giannis, but it's kind of a misconception that Kawhi just went and and shut him down one-on-one. Like, that was a complete team effort. Uh, the Raptors were swarming him, and he looked extremely uncomfortable, and it, he couldn't really predict where the help was coming from, and he seemed just kind of uncomfortable uh, when he put the ball on the floor and tried to get into the paint. And the Raptors, like, if there's one thing you can say about them, regardless of who they've had on the floor this season and they've made opposing stars extremely uncomfortable and they've like the 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 last sort of bigger piece that i wrote about them was about how they change their defense up constantly and they're just um trying something uh that really is an outlier in the entire nba there are other teams like the heat play more zone than the raptors do but they don't play so many different ways and try so many different things and put such an emphasis on kind of throwing the other team out of rhythm and if the raptors can have that kind of success defensively uh in the playoffs then yeah like there'll still be some kind of questions about like what happens at the end of closed games and from an offensive standpoint but i think people should feel much more confident about the offense based on what's happened lately and and the defense as i said it's just been rock solid all the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, the defense is what gives me hope that this isn't like the 2017-18 Raptors. Like, that team was amazing. They won 59 games and they kicked ass all season long. They beat the piss out of bad teams. They beat a lot of really good teams. But there was that stat, that John Schumann stat that he threw out pretty much the entire second half of the season about how the Raptors sucked at defending very good teams. 
And I just don't think they're going to run into that problem again this season. Like, they've been, as you said, no matter who the personnel is, they seem to be really, really good defensively no matter what. They keep teams on their heels. You know, Jason Tatum spoke last week uh, with Jackie McMullen about how the Raptors are the team that frustrates him the most because of the different things they try. And I still think there's like a bit of a window here before teams get wise and sort of catch up to Nick Nurse and start doing Nick Nursey things because it's you know copycats will happen and I think as the Raptors have more success with their defense, I'm sure more teams will start to try to you know be more diverse in what they throw out there. But at the same time, maybe they don't have the IQ <laughs> on hand to be able to do that, so that's not yeah. exactly an easy thing to pull off. But I just think with the way the Raptors do things defensively, that's always going to give them a floor. Even if their offense sputters at times, they're never going to be out of it because their defense can go on one of those four-minute runs where they completely smother you. And in the Giannis matchup, like, I don't want to say OG Ananobi is playing at, like, peak Kawhi defensive levels, but I would say OG this season defensively has been better than Kawhi was defensively last season. And, you know, Kawhi ramped it up in that conference finals and was amazing and really frustrated Giannis at the point of attack. But OG has, like, historically been pretty good against Giannis in the past and at least given him some trouble and, you know, given him at least an obstacle to get around in a way that, you know, say Pascal hasn't really in the past. And so I, like, because of the defense and I guess because of the Mike Budenholzer and his refusal to play Giannis more than 37 minutes or whatever it is and the sort of rigidity with which he approaches playoff series, like, that's what's giving me the hope that the Raptors can maybe pull it off. It's just, I think, yeah, the offense is probably the thing that I'm the most concerned about late in games. But even then, they've been kick-ass in crunch time, too. I think Joe Wolfond, uh, our pal from the score, tweeted out yesterday that the Raptors have, like, a plus 40 net rating or something crazy like that with in games that are within three points in the last three minutes. Like, they've been kicking ass. And so all yeah. of those signs are pointing towards me believing if there's a hang-up for you, what is it? Is it Pascal Siakam and his readiness to be like a closing option? Is it, uh, you know, I don't know, health? I don't know. what. Like, what is holding you back? If you're not quite ready to put them in that top tier, what is it that is sort of uh, giving you a little bit of uh, pause in terms of doing that? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, I mean, yeah, health, obviously. There's going to be less margin for error on that front. Uh, in the playoffs, like I don't think, like if if Marcus Saul misses some games in the playoffs, I just don't think the defense uh, is going to look as good. If either one of the the point guards misses some time in the playoffs, then I, I don't think it's going to be as easy to kind of make up for that. With you know having like Terrence Davis be sort of the point guard in the second unit and having Siakam initiate action more and all that stuff. Like I, I think you kind of need everyone if you're going up against an elite team, but. No, I, I think, like, I don't think my answer is going to be shocking. It's basically, like, what happens against elite defensive teams under playoff pressure, under playoff scrutiny. Can you get the kind of shots that you need? And and I think there's reasons to be optimistic about that. I, I think the, the sort of confidence that you've seen from the Raptors in close games, in crunch time, like, that that's something I think that is part of the identity of this team now i think they always had uh some like you know some gamers on this team some some confident guys on this team fred van vliet certainly never lacked for confidence but i think there is an extra kind of edge you get after winning a title and and being a part of that and i think they're just so sure of themselves um and they're also they've sort of built something over this last year and a half with nick nurse of just kind of solving problems throughout games and 
solving problems throughout a season and, and internally improving. And I, I think they just have this mindset of like, regardless of what happens in the first half of a game, like they know how to kind of change things up a little bit in the second half and get things together. And they, they were so resilient during last year's finals run. I think they kind of understand um, what it's like to navigate a game. And we've seen them kind of navigate the whole season this way. And th- that to me portends well uh, in terms of trying to like figure out what happens in those high pressure situations. But I mean, the end of it, like if players back up against Pascal Siakam, like he's going to have to step into those kind of pull up threes with the exact same level of confidence that he's had during the regular season. If he misses a few of them, does that get in his head? I, I don't know. I don't know how to project that. Like, I don't know if Van Vliet is going to have a, another cold stretch like he did uh, in last season's playoffs when it's going to be harder to overcome that now that he's one of their featured players. Now, maybe because he is so important to this team that he's like a borderline star, uh, it's less likely that's even going to happen. Like, I, I might suggest that. Like, if, if I'm Toronto, like, I'm not exactly concerned about um, having the ball in Lowry's, Van Vliet's, and Siakam's hands uh, late in games. I, I think they've kind of proven it uh, during the regular season. It's just, you know, like, it's just a lot harder against really good defense um, when everything is on the line. So that that's basically it. Uh, but I, I think the signs so far in the regular season have been about as good as you can ask for. Like, most of the concerns that we're talking about are, like, theoretical and trying to think of what can change when the context changes. Because, as, I mean, we absolutely saw in last year's conference finals, especially from Milwaukee's perspective, right? But but I think even if you look at the previous series against Philadelphia, like, the context just does change in the playoffs. Like, everything gets harder. And when that happens, uh, and the Raptors don't, have low-hanging fruit like running pick and rolls at D'Angelo Russell and having <laughs> Pat Kelsey Ocker just bowl his way to the back. You know what I mean? Like, like that stuff is probably not going to be available. So when everything gets a little bit harder, level they need to offensively. That that that's the basic question I think hanging over this team. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, yeah. I I, I guess my sort of... Like the the shining light to me in all of the uncertainty about how things will go when things get difficult on offense in the playoffs is that like Nick Nurse is a fucking wizard, <laughs> and it's yeah. really really nice having that kind of confidence in a coach to like figure things out. And I think you know I think maybe his sort of defensive acumen is a little bit more uh, sort of the standout quality that he has right now as opposed to offense where the offense just seems to kind of run freely and, and, and flow and as you mentioned in that piece you wrote a couple weeks back they played basketball like jazz on offense and that's great and you love to see that I wonder sort of how that'll change when things get a little bit more pressure filled in the half court and stuff like that but I also yeah. just have a lot of confidence that he's going to figure things out. He's a really, really damn good coach, and he's really smart, and he's not afraid to like look stupid if something doesn't work that he tries out, and he'll he'll try anything, really. Uh, do you have a ballot for Coach of the Year? 
Uh, I have not in the past. Maybe I will this year, but I I don't know. If you had one, would Nurse be your guy right now for Coach of the Year? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I no hesitation. I don't need like who else are we considering? Like uh, like Frank Vogel, uh, Taylor Jenkins. Like I don't know who would necessarily be second place for me. Like it, it's the Raptors, are the best story in the NBA. They have been the entire time, and. Uh, it's not just sort of the, the preseason expectations, but just if you look at the different adversity they faced during the year, if you look at all the wacky lineups that have had to play together, uh, it just it's really remarkable. I, I, I think the coaching staff, not just nurse, like everybody, like it, it is an absolute credit to the approach that they've had um, dating back to last season, but kind of doubling down on some of the things that made the Raptors a bit unique uh, last year that, that they've been able to pull this off and they've been able to kind of navigate all of this so smoothly. And, you know, it, it's when, when nurse came in and people were talking about, Oh yeah, he's going to push the envelope. He's going to experiment. He's open to lots of different ideas. He's a modern coach. Like for a while, I think people were kind of wondering last year like is is it really that different is this really going like to to pay off like or is he really doing anything that special and I, and I think he took his time in kind of implementing some of the more radical stuff that he was thinking about all along but now that he's established himself now that he's a championship winning head coach uh I, I think you've seen him just be even more fearless than he was with his decision making last year and his approach to the game and and some of it is honestly like empowering players and trusting them to screw up and trusting them to make mistakes. When you're constantly throwing out different defensive coverages, you're knowing that your guys are going to get confused sometimes. They're going to be in the wrong position, and you're kind of hoping that that won't really be a bad thing in the long run because maybe the def- the uh, the opposing team on offense is getting confused too, and they're not sure what the Raptors are running, and maybe they're going to make up for those mistakes by just playing hard and playing with effort and trying to be as locked in and communicative as possible and that way if everybody's kind of got their head on their swivel and they're aware where their teammates are if somebody messes up then somebody's going to be able to step in and because all these guys are pretty long and most of these guys are like really smart they, they, they can pull that off but I think that takes a lot of trust uh, from the coaching staff and I think offensively that their entire system is based on giving players freedom and giving players trust like that was the thing like when I went to Toronto and wrote the big story about them last year like I was talking to Danny Green um feels like a million years ago um but just about how different it was playing in Toronto's system he'd come from this Spurs environment where Pop is this military guy and it was all about execution and precision and all that and like there are times when the Raptors like at their best they do look like this well-oiled machine but a lot of the time like it's really just the first part of the possession that's scripted and the rest is uh, completely improvisation, improvised and players are playing off of each other and like just about everybody on this team is empowered to put the ball on the floor and, and make some plays or at least attack a closeout. And I, I think for, for Nurse to kind of come in here and be so confident what he believes in and make the changes he did and do some things unconventionally, even dating back to like his starting lineup choices at the beginning of last season and, and keeping that fluid. Like I, I just think he's stuck to his guns and if anything he's doubled down 
on the less conventional aspects of his like basketball philosophy this season after winning the title last year and getting away with trying some crazy stuff in the finals like i i think he's only been emboldened and and all of that sort of comes together with the fact that like generally coach of the year is just the team that like the guy who coaches the team that exceeds expectations the most and surprises people and based on what what experts were saying coming into this year and based on the vegas line and all of that like that that again like that's toronto and that's that's not even close the only other team you could maybe make an argument for is memphis if if it ends up uh hanging on to a playoff spot but I, i i just think like the raptors have been a much bigger story and like what has happened on both ends of the floor considering all the circumstances like nurse has like easily the strongest case to me he's uh quite good at his job as it turns out uh james let's uh we could not really talk about the nets it's this will be at a date in six hours anyway so we don't need to talk too much about the nets in the attempt to go for 16 wins in a row tonight i do want to quickly ask you about the celtics though we kind of talked about them off the top we sort of veered more towards talking about milwaukee the Celtics have just as impressive a statistical profile as the Raptors. They yeah. are sort of committed to this small ball thing with Daniel Tice as their only real big that they can throw out there when things matter. And, like, Jason Tatum has been awesome, and he's become, like, a really good defender. And Jalen Brown has been amazing this season, too. They've both taken leaps free from the shackles of Kyrie Irving. Kemba Walker is uh, just seems like a nice guy to play with, and he's a lot of fun. If you had to, like, pick a series between those two right now, and that seems like it is a pretty likely second-round matchup at the moment, which, God, thank God, because it's been a long time that we've been hoping for a Raptors-Celtics matchup, and we might actually get it. Um, How do you sort of handicap that matchup and sort of how those two teams match up? Because, like, the Celtics scare me. I'm not terribly enamored with the Heat, and I don't necessarily love the Iguodala fit for them just because of the sort of 3 or D nature of all of their wings at this point. And I don't know how they kind of get to their best lineups where everyone's a threat. But when it comes to the Celtics, like I think they are very dangerous. And I think their defense has been a lot better than I expected because of those jumps by Tatum and Brown and everything like that. Um, are you looking at the Celtics as just sort of the exact same tier as the Raptors? Like, is that their own tier right behind the top three guys? Like, how do you sort of handicap that potential matchup? Yeah, I mean, like, look, from a statistical perspective, they're both in the top tier. And they're extremely similar teams to me. Um, I mean, they they do things differently, but I, I think to appreciate what both of these teams are doing this year you have to kind of go one by one and just like you can go through the raptors and identify like eight different like good stories um on the roster i think you can do that in boston i mean tatum's defense is unbelievable um marcus smart you see him guarding bigs a lot of the time i think the offense is a lot better than kind of i thought it would be coming into the year i mean it's it's sort of like, you look at the team, and you know it's more balanced than it was, I guess, in, in years past. But it's also, like, they just used to run so much of their stuff through through Al Horford. They also used to have more depth from a playmaking perspective. But, I mean, they just... Those, those wings are kind of the, the, the separating quality. Like, nobody else in the NBA, I think, quite has... Um, the the playmakers that, that Boston does in terms of not only do you have Kemba Walker, who... Like, we're used to seeing as this, like, very ball-dominant pick-and-roll guard that now, like, he still does that, but he does that in the context of this system where on any night, um, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, even Smart 
sometimes can just kind of go off. And in a playoff setting, I think that's really kind of dangerous because in a playoff setting, you can attack matchups kind of relentlessly uh, with that team. And I think defensively, the lack of a big has hurt them less than most people thought. Like uh, I was listening to uh, Danny Ainge do this radio interview right after the deadline, and he sounded um, a little miffed that Houston was getting all the credit for uh, not playing a center and just going all in on small ball and still uh, being able to win games. And Ainge was talking about how they, they've been doing that, and they've been doing that whether it's uh, playing without a center and you have Marcus Smart out there with the the four sort of main playmakers they have. And then recently, my guy, Grant Williams, who I profiled earlier in the year, and I, I think just, you know, I, I know this is a Raptors podcast and you're supposed to hate the Celtics, but I don't know how anybody could hate Grant Williams is based on the way that he plays and also just if you ever uh, talk to him or just watch or read an interview with him I mean the man the man is delightful and uh, they have played him a lot he's like you know he's like a six foot six uh, kind of like he played power forward in college and uh, he's they've, they've been using him as a small ball five uh, over the last little while and he's been really good in that role as kind of a a playmaker uh, out of the pick and roll doing like the, the Draymondy stuff. He's after missing the first, like, I don't even remember the number, but he just, he went over from three point range for like the, more than a month to start his career. He's making his threes now. And just defensively, he is like one of the most mature rookies I've ever seen. Um, and if they can get away uh, with still going to their kind of second unit, unit lineups and like, if Brad Wanamaker can perform in the playoffs, if Grant Williams can perform in the playoffs, if Sammy Ojale can perform in the playoffs, uh, if Daniel Tice can continue to be as productive as he's been this year, then uh, I think, like, from the Celtics' perspective, like, now we're talking. Like, that, I, I think the questions about them are not so much these, like, bigger picture questions. Like, do they have enough scoring? What happens in crunch time? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I think we basically know who the Celtics are. It's just, like, do do they have the the right kind of depth to make the adjustments they need to make in the playoffs? Are they going to end up in a situation where they're trying to play all of their main guys, like, 45 minutes a game when it matters? And, like, that's something I'm not, I'm not sure that we can know uh, until the postseason. But, like, I am just as encouraged by what I've seen from Boston this year as I am uh, in terms of what I've seen from Toronto. I mean, they've been two of the best teams in the entire league, and I think if they're, they were to meet in the second round, it, it would kind of feel more like a conference finals uh, matchup based, based on just not only their statistical profile, but even just watching them. Like, they're just... They have extremely smart coaches, like we've already talked about, in Toronto, and then just, like, they similarly kind of just, like, their approach to defense... Uh, is really admirable. They're on a string. They play really hard. They're so disruptive. When when you try to penetrate, just like Tatum will just like get his arms in there and like knock the ball away. And the next thing you know, he's out there getting a dunk in transition. And then when when you're trying to account for four playmakers that good, like you kind of need a team like Toronto that's just stacked with different playmakers to have a hope uh, of not getting kind of picked on in a playoff setting. So I, I could see that being a long series. I I personally would love to see that matchup but you know like if you if you look at the east like I, I think a raptors heat series would be interesting i think a Raptors sixers series would be interesting and fraught with with a whole bunch of 
uh, other tension. And uh, <laughs> so either way, regardless of what that ends up being, like I, I, I think the Eastern Conference playoffs are looking pretty interesting right now. Yeah, I, you mentioned this is uh, a noted anti-Celtics podcast. Some might say the foremost anti- anti-Celtics podcast there is. And I've had, I'm having a hard time with that this year because they are very likable. They are sort of a little bit more liberated without having Kyrie there sort of dragging the yeah. whole operation down. And they are really fun to watch. When it comes to the the matchup, they, they, they definitely scare me more than any other team in the East right now. Uh, like The Sixers also kind of scare me just because of Embiid and what he did in the playoffs last season despite having you know the shits the entire series and still nearly won the thing. <laughs> by himself without scoring at all, like, that guy scares me. But the Celtics, I think, are a really well-oiled machine, much like the Raptors are. I guess my sort of my leaning towards the Raptors in that matchup, just hypothetically right now, if we're talking about what it would look like, both teams at full strength, kind of it lies in the sort of depth and the versatility the Raptors have, whereas the Celtics are kind of stuck playing one way and they're kind of stuck playing with either Tice or Grant Williams at center. Like, I don't think Ennis Cantor can see the floor in a playoff series against the Raptors. He'll get destroyed. Um, and so because of that, I think the Raptors can kind of press advantages a little bit better and, you know, maybe make the Celtics adapt to them and maybe they won't be able to do that. I, I guess the drawback of, you know, if they wanted to go like super big and play, their OG Pascal Abaca Gasol lineup two through five is maybe it becomes difficult to stay in front of a Hayward or, or a Tatum or a Brown somewhere on the floor. But I, I also think that they you know are creative enough and do enough things with their with their coverages that they could probably make that work as well. So it is sort of the depth for the Celtics that gives me at least a little optimism that the Raptors could exploit some things in that series. But they're scary, man. They they are not a team that I. Uh, relish the idea of playing i feel like the prevailing wisdom right now is that most people would rather see the celtics than the heat i don't get that i, I think the raptors and heat in a series i would pretty heavily lean towards the raptors based on depth and the sort of balance that they have and i think the heat are uh cowards and frauds uh, <laughs> but we could talk about that <laughs> another how, how time how much of that do you think is just because people are scared of bam Adebayo and him guarding pascal uh, that might be it. Yeah. Like, no one can guard Pascal in a Celtics series. That's another thing. He's been great against the Celtics this season. So, um, that's a good point. I, I just, I can't get past the fact that they, I don't see them putting together a five-man lineup where there's not at least one or two places to exploit on either end of the floor. Like, there's a lot of non-shooting or there's a lot of shooting with not much defense. And yeah, Duncan Robinson's been good. I don't really trust Duncan Robinson to, like, hold up against, uh, like, a switch against Pascal in the playoffs, or, or even, like, OG. I, I don't really see that. And maybe I'm not giving Duncan Robinson enough credit, but maybe he has to earn it first before me, before I can give it to him. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a weird matchup. We can talk about that another time, though. I've taken far more time from you than, uh, frankly, I deserve. So thank you so much for jumping on the show, James. I know it's a busy time for you. Going to All-Star this weekend? Yeah, you said you're going to All-Star. Yes. With King Cake Baby. Yes, yes. Someone needs to involve I, I him hope, in a dunk. I hope so. There's no Pelicans in the dunk contest, right? Unless Zion decides to make a last-minute <laughs> appearance and the, the NBA is keeping this from us. I really Which need... Which like the worst marketing plan ever, but... <laughs> I, yeah. I, there, no, there's, there, there are no Pelicans in the dunk contest. I really need King Cake Baby on a rotating hoverboard at some point. Maybe Stuff the Magic Dragon oh. comes down with an injury and... King Kick Baby has to step in. He's the world's mascot. He's not just the Pelicans mascot. It could work. 
Um, yes, he's life's mascot. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is a terrifying hellscape. The, the, <laughs> the king cake baby story. Uh, James, thanks so much for coming on. Anything you want to promote? Uh, I don't. I, I have a, a weekly column called "That's Pretty Interesting," uh, which is if it hasn't dropped while we've been talking then i imagine it will it will run very soon it's every wednesday at cbs sports excellent uh a lot of fun talking to you man we will talk to you soon i'm sure have fun at all star and uh safe travels it's apparently supposed to snow a whole bunch so that's fun hope you uh try to find katie heindel to talk about greg monroe while you're there (laughs) i i I know that I will find Katie. Yes, <laughs> uh, as always, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever it is you get your podcast, it's very much appreciated. Also, I wrote yesterday about Ronda Hellish Jefferson and how his path to playoff minutes will certainly come as a small ball five, if they are to come at all. Uh, so go read that at Raptors HQ. And some fun stuff coming down the pipe. In a couple weeks, I'll have a very cool announcement that uh, I will pass along. And until then, you can keep up to date with all the Locked On shows wherever you get your podcasts, as always. And we will talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.